afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Zivikowski trying to get to the outside. He has blockers in front. Time for Zivikowski. Belong to beat. Shakes it off. To the five and touchdown. And now it is down. It is over. And the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Brady Quinn looking. Pump fakes. He rolls to the near side. Throws it. It's caught by Samaja. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. He's going in. Notre Dame has scored. Jones is the back. He's got it again. And Jones a letter room. Tony Jones makes a cut. Gets a block. And scores. Is that the play that will seal the playoff bid for Fighting Irish? What's up and welcome to Sunday Saturday Irish. I'm Tyler Rojack, joined as always by my co-host Luke Smith, and we're back to discuss Notre Dame's dominant win over Boston College on Senior Day. Notre Dame put up 44 points to Boston College's zero, and to be honest, Notre Dame probably could have won by a lot more had there not been a literal blizzard going on during a big chunk of the second half. Some people love snow football games. I am not one of those people at all. I hate them, and I really don't like being there in person for them. But Luke, did you feel jealous at all watching the game as you were watching from a TV? It was weird because I missed most of the third, well, the whole third quarter, actually, just because I was coaching a basketball game. And when I came out, I like could not believe how much snow was on the ground because there really wasn't any at all in the first half. And it's just like, geez, that looks miserable. But everybody I talked to that was there sounded like they had a great time. Now, I think most people I talked to that were there were in the boxes, so uh, they were somewhat uh, isolated from the elements. But, yeah, that's not football. Anybody who says that, like, snow is a good thing is an idiot or just wrong. (laughs) Uh, It's it's miserable, especially when it happens before Thanksgiving. Agreed. And watching that on TV, it was snowy – or, excuse me, it was sunny – like at the end of the first half, and I was thinking, oh, it's clearing up. This is going to be a good day. The The weather is going to avoid the stadium. And then in the most typical of South Bend fashion, yeah. a horrendous snowstorm just appears out of nowhere and just dumped on Notre Dame. And there's a point where I was watching during the third quarter where I literally couldn't see the action. I had no idea what was going on. But apparently uh, Ben Morrison was able to see well enough to get his third pick, and we'll talk about that <laughs> here in a second. So before we get going here, uh, please remember to like the video below and subscribe to our channel if you're watching on YouTube. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, and we're over a quarter of the way there now. So if you like us at all, uh, you could do us a big favor by hitting that subscribe button. We would really appreciate it. And if you're listening to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, please hit the subscribe button there as well. So here's a quick word from our sponsors, and when we come back, we're going to dive into Notre Dame's win over Boston College and then look ahead to the huge matchup against USC. But we'll try to hold that off until the end. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Everyone right now can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. So there's a couple games coming on this Thanksgiving and a handful of days here in the NFL. Uh, Who do you like there? So the Giants play the Cowboys. At the time of this recording, the line hasn't been released. So I'm just going to say I'm taking the Cowboys money line. The Giants, Vanilla Vic, I know that a lot of people are high on them. I think they're 7-2 and two at the time of this recording. Again, games haven't been played yet on this Sunday. But 
Uh, I like the Cowboys. I like their defense a lot, so that's who I'm taking. Yeah, I, it's hard to not tail that there, although whatever happened to the Cowboys last week when the Packers um, somehow beat them, I don't really know, but that was just an NFL thing, I guess, the weird league. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code SOS. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SOS. This episode is sponsored by Haas Company, a lifestyle brand that's about being the best version of yourself. Be the Haas. The Haas lives life without reservations, without doubt, and ready to answer the call each and every day. Check out their website at bethehaas.com and use promo code SUNS for 15% off on your next order. Check them out. This episode is also supported by Roback. Shop game-changing activewear with Roback for those who crave activity. Use the promo code SUNSND, that's S-O-N-S-N-D, to get 20% off your next order in the entire store at Roback.com. But we encourage all of our listeners to check out the Shamrock Polo, which would look great on Irish fans everywhere. That's promo code SUNSND at R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. Okay, I know it's only Boston College, but I felt like at this point in the season, Notre Dame still had a lot to prove especially against an inferior opponent. And for 60 minutes on Saturday, I think they answered just about all of the questions we had left. And I think there's actually some significant takeaways, despite the fact that the game and the score was not very close. What stood out to you? I agree. But the biggest one for me is that Benjamin Morris, him, and that is our official statement on what we will be calling him moving forward. He might end up being the best Notre Dame corner of our lifetime, uh, at least to date. Five picks the last three weeks as a true freshman. I'm not really sure why teams are still throwing at him at this point. As Greg Flamong pointed out on Twitter, PFF has his season stats at 19 of 46, 41% completion percentage, only six yards allowed per attempt, and five picks with just one touchdown allowed. That's a true freshman, and I think I saw this in text messages and over various Twitter threads. Everybody was just commenting on how refreshing it is to have a Notre Dame cornerback that turns. <laughs> like I saw numerous Gary Gray references yesterday. Just like somebody was dropping that name. It's like it's the first time we have a guy that actually turns and looks for the ball. Um, now, obviously, I think Julian Love did a little bit of that too, but uh, it, it is just it's really refreshing to see that from a freshman corner. Without a doubt. And to be honest, I still think that Julian Love is a little bit better than Benjamin Morrison. Now, obviously – like Love played for multiple years. This is Morrison's freshman season. He could end up being better than Julian Love, but their styles are a lot different. Love was bigger. I think he set the school record for most passes deflected in a season. And it's funny that you mentioned Gary Gray because when Love came around, just the fact that any corner could make a play on the ball and bat the pass down, that was like shocking to see. Yeah. So the fact that another Notre Dame uh, cornerback is able to go out there and make some plays because on that touchdown, or excuse me, that interception where it would have been a touchdown had he not made a play, that was incredible. Yeah. That looks better than a lot of the plays Notre Dame's wide receivers have made this year. <laughs> that play on the ball. So that was great. He had that one interception in the snow that I was talking about earlier, and he's really good, but he's going to have a real opportunity this upcoming Saturday, and I don't want to get into it too much right now. But uh, he's going to go up against some serious talent uh, on USC, and it'll be a great opportunity for him to show – just how good he really is. Because I don't think it's even fair to say he's a future star. He's a star now. Without a doubt. I mean, I don't know. He's going to be a freshman All-American, no doubt. He is a star right now. Yeah. And it sort of came out of nowhere, honestly. Did you... I mean, I know that he was pretty highly recruited. They stole him away from Washington. That's where a lot of people thought he was going to go. So credit to Mike Bickens for getting him to come to Notre Dame. But I just... I did not see this coming whatsoever before the season started. 
Well, I didn't, and and then he was playing at Ohio State, and it's like, oh, okay. That came out of nowhere. But then once we saw that, it's like, all right, maybe this guy is pretty good if he's going up against those guys in week one as a true freshman. So I guess given that, what has ensued isn't incredibly surprising, but just like the fact that he was playing back then in week one, that was pretty like, whoa, where did that come from? Yeah, so he's got five interceptions in the past three games now. He obviously had the pick six against Clemson, three in one game. That's that's insane, but he wasn't the only good defender who had a really good game. I thought collectively uh, as a unit, they were just really, really solid. Notre Dame forced five turnovers in total. Jack Heiser had that one. Uh, he forced a fumble on Emmett Moorhead. And that kind of feel for Moorhead. He was just under duress the entire game. It was cold and miserable. Every time they showed him on the sidelines, he just looked like he could not wait for that game to end. Notre Dame made his day just really rough from beginning to end. And then Maris Leofau, feel bad for him, man. He got completely robbed. That's a touchdown. It should have been a walk-in touchdown. So I, this is a, a side note. I just I can't stand reviews in college football, really, any sport, because it's like we're going to spend this time to review the play we're going to realize that the refs got it wrong and that this should so clearly be a touchdown for Notre Dame, but we're not going to do it because rules, I guess. Well, in total fairness, they got the first two reviews of the game wrong. Like Logan Diggs was definitely down, not in the end zone on the first review of the game. <laughs> and true. for whatever reason, they upheld that. So, yeah, I mean, I've just been so thoroughly unimpressed with ACC officials and replay officials all season. They got to figure it the hell out. Uh, we also got to give a shout-out to Isaiah Foskey, man. Yeah. Notre Dame's all-time career sack leader. Yeah, uh, and I wish it could have come on Phil Dracovic, which I'm sure we'll get to him, uh, and just his absolute clown Should we ass. just do it now? But, should we just? I feel like we should just do it now. Let's get I it think out we the got way. to. <laughs> okay. I mean, anybody that's listening to this, they're, I'm sure they're pretty aware of, of what happened. But if you're not, uh, Phil posted a Instagram on Saturday morning where – there were two paragraphs to this Instagram post and a bunch of pictures from his time at Notre Dame and then one at Boston College. First paragraph seemed to be, you know, mostly appreciative of his time at Notre Dame. And then the second paragraph just <laughs> it just took a turn. Um, he was calling Notre Dame out for cultural appropriation of Boston and referenced Mac Miller for whatever reason, calling Notre Dame just another brand name. And he proceeded to not play and watch his team in an absolute blizzard get stomped 44 to zero. Uh, I mean, like, I, I can't take credit for this one, but like, I forget what the line was, but somebody was like, Kanye saw that post and thought that was bad, like media PR. Like, that might be the worst <laughs> post of the year. Look. We went hard on, on Phil Dracovic in the preview. Everyone who listens to this knows that we are not Phil guys. And I think, I, act- I think nobody is now. No, exactly. I was going to say, I did not plan on talking about him at all in this one because we knew he wasn't going to play. And it's like, whatever, he's going to be on the sidelines. doesn't really matter. But once again, Phil made it about himself and posted this. Re- just He could have just ended it after the first paragraph because he even said, I wanted to clarify some derogatory comments that were made in the media. It's like, okay, first of all, you made those comments. Yeah. Like, no one. I've no, seen the video. Yeah. It wasn't taken out of context. You yourself said it. So you're clarifying stuff that you already said. And then he just basically doubled down. And then yeah. the way he ended it where he's basically saying that Notre Dame isn't anything but a brand name. It's like, dude, it's it's so annoying because Notre Dame's not going to say anything back. And the people that he's mad at, Brian Kelly and Chip Long, uh, they aren't there. 
And Marcus Freeman, although he did kind of say something in the post game that I was going to say, kind of alluded he, to he it. Maybe very much did say something. Um, what was the quote? I'm glad he did. He said, "I'll tell you right now because I loved every word of it." He said, "This place weeds non-resilient people out. If you're not a tough-minded person, this probably won't be the place for you." Shots fired? Yes, I think so. I think they heard about that Instagram post in the locker room. I definitely think they heard about it in the locker room, and he just. I just don't get it, man. Like, I've never had a problem with the player transferring from Notre Dame. If they want to go somewhere else, like, that's totally fine. But on the way out, he has done nothing but say bad things about Notre Dame and take shots at every opportunity he can. And there's a few, uh, there's a few people we know, we're not going to name names, who used to take Phil's side and say, oh, he got a raw deal, blah, blah, blah. That post changed it all. Everyone who, who yeah. had any sort of sympathy left for Phil, it all went away. And then he had the pleasure of sitting through an absolute miserable performance by his team in a blizzard on what would have been his senior day. So a little bit of poetic justice there for Phil Dracovic. Yes. May we never speak of him again. All right, that's it. We're done. We're done with Phil Dracovic. Let's go back to Isaiah Fossey, because I thought that was a pretty big deal. He recorded his 25th sack of his career, breaks the all-time record set by Justin Tuck. Although you texted me after, and it was something I was... A little worried about in the moment. It did look like it was an assisted sack, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think that Notre Dame statisticians are going to go back and change that because he deserves it. He's actually tied for eighth in the country right now with nine and a half sacks on the year. And it sort of led me to this question. Do we appreciate Isaiah Foskey enough looking at his career in totality? Because he has really been one of the best defensive players of our lifetimes. And it's just it's just been so steady and consistent in last year what he was able to do throughout the year. I think he's been really, really impressive, and I'm glad that he got to, to have his moment on senior day. Yeah, I don't know, because I've actually heard some people like suggest that he might be overrated. So uh, I feel like, to answer your question, then people probably don't appreciate him enough, uh, if that's kind of the take. That now, some of those kind of came earlier in the year when he wasn't producing at the level he is now, but... Yeah, it's it's been interesting. Just like it's kind of wild that he's at this point that he is now the all-time sacks leader. Like it just, it's also wild that he's now this is his fourth year of playing. Um, I, I just feel like that kind of flew by. But um, yeah, to answer your question, I don't know if we do appreciate him enough. I think we'll look back, especially next year when Notre Dame doesn't currently have a starting Viper at the moment. We'll be like, damn, I really wish we had Isaiah Foskey because he's. He's had a really impressive full, I would say full year, because going into the season, there's a lot of hype around him. He's saying he wanted to break the single season sack record. Didn't have great games against Ohio State Marshall. Uh, I think he took some of the blame for that just because he wasn't as much of a factor in the game or on the stat sheet. And and I'm glad that he was able to uh, figure it out in the second half of the season. But let's go to the offense because they had a really good day too. And I think the offensive identity that Notre Dame wants was on full display in this one. They ran 63 plays of offense. They ran it 38 times, so 60-40 run to pass. And I think they actually moved the ball pretty well, given the conditions. So what did you think of the offense's performance yesterday? Yeah, I I really liked the way that they were able to just stick to their identity and just run it down Boston Boston College's throat. Um, You know, especially... Just getting out to a lead like that, like it really just doesn't happen very often in Notre Dame where they just just dominate right away and just the game is over by halftime. In fact, the last time it happened was the last senior day, really, against Georgia Tech last year. Um, But it was great. I I loved it because I was just watching them and like, yeah, the only people that are going to stop them today are themselves. Um, 
and it was nice for me because, like I said, I had a basketball game to coach, so I was going to have to miss some of the game. And when it was 37 nothing at half, I really didn't even have to think about it. So that was a very <laughs> nice job by the offense and the defense, too. I got a text from my dad at, at halftime, though. He said, final score, Notre Dame 37, Boston College 35. You know, I, at first, I was like, I can't really say that's going to be wrong after what we saw in the second and half. And then it started Navy. snowing. Yeah, and then it started snowing. And I think... You know, a lot of people expected Notre Dame to to have a letdown because of how they played against inferior com- opponents all year. And we know the sad about them is double-digit favorites they hadn't covered. They finally covered the spread in this one. But, man, the, the elements were really bad. And Boston College just could not run the ball whatsoever. They didn't even really try to. It was, ca- it was actually comical when they did because they'd be down like 37 nothing, and they'd run the ball first play. Be like, nice, good time to establish a run here. But I actually think... Drew Pine played pretty well, all things considered. He looked really bad on the first drive, but then he had that second drive and a couple of nice passes to uh, Logan Diggs. They're mixing it up. But Notre Dame's running backs, they had another incredible game. And uh, I think their trio of running backs is actually underrated around like the college football world. They don't have a— Earth, wind, and fire. Earth, wind, and fire, exactly. Um, and, you know, this Saturday against USC, it'll be a great opportunity for them to really showcase their skill set because— they haven't been on this stage in a while, and I think a lot of people forgot about Notre Dame after their second loss to Marshall, which I can't really argue with that a whole lot. What, what Logan Diggs and Audrey Gaston may have become uh, is really impressive, and it's really good to know that Notre Dame has another year out of them next year because they become a really impressive tandem. And then you got Chris Irie, the third back, who's actually the veteran of the group, and he had another good game as well. Yeah, he did. He had six carries for 50 yards and a walk-in touchdown. I, I will kind of you're right. I think people did forget about them, but then you know that Clemson game happened, and the way Notre Dame was able to run the ball, people saw that. I mean, Freeman himself said it in his post game. Like, we were the only people, the only people in the room that knew how good we are are in this room, basically. And he's like, now the whole damn country knows. Well, he's got another opportunity to show the whole damn country this coming Saturday night how good this team can be. Without a doubt. And uh, with Logan Diggs, he was the leading rusher for Notre Dame in this one. He set the tone from the very first play of the game. Broke off the longest run of the season on that 51-yard carry to start, and he is just, he's so impressive now. Uh, the way that he navigates through the holes, it kind of reminds me of Theo Riddick, where it, it, he was just, he was shifty, not in the sense of the Kyron Williams, because Kyron Williams would sometimes run up to the line, and he'd basically hesitate, and you'd be like, where is he going? And then he'd just kind of slip through the cracks and break off a good run and break like eight tackles in the process. Logan Diggs' running style is a little bit different. He runs very hard. He runs very downhill. And then he's shifty once he gets to that second level. And then you got Audric Estime, who's just a flat-out bully. Like, if I was a defensive back and I'd have to tackle Audric Estime in the, what was it, 15-degree attempts in Blizzard, I'd quit. And I don't, I don't yeah, think there's I, any I shame would be in that. Afraid, I would be afraid of him separating my shoulder. <laughs> he, he absolutely lit up a Boston College corner, and I think he talked some shit to him afterwards. And I actually felt a little bit bad for that corner because he was there is no way he wanted to be on that field. And then seeing that train coming at you, it's just got to be the worst feeling in the world knowing that you got to somehow try and bring that guy down. So it'll be interesting to see how Notre Dame uses those three, those three guys against USC. Another guy we have to give a shout-out to, Michael Mayer. He eclipsed 2,000 yards receiving in his final home game. Tommy Reese basically forced it to him on those little shovel passes, but it was good to see him have a bit of a moment in, in what we all know is, is going to be his final game at Notre Dame Stadium. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, just an incredible career. Hopefully they saved the touchdown for him for next week in the Coliseum. But yeah, uh, definitely going to miss hearing them play that Michael Myers theme song on first down so Michael Mayer picks up uh, moving forward. 
Yeah, and you know he might only have one game left to wear in the blue and gold. We'll see what he decides to do with the ball game and all that. But I have one gripe about Michael Mayer. I can't believe I'm saying this. I do have a criticism. I really want him to hold the ball and protect it near the goal line. If he was like a half yard forward on that first play where he's reaching for the goal line and he fumbled the ball, that was very close to a touchback. And that's actually the second time he's done that this year. So that's my one plea uh, to Michael Mayer. Who else should we give a shout-out to? Matt Salerno, first touchdown of his career. Yeah, I definitely thought that was a pick play, by the way. Uh, They said the ball was (laughs) caught behind the line of scrimmage. The ball was caught in the end zone. It was. And Thomas, I think, was literally like yes. positioned, yeah. had so, his arms whatever, out. Whatever, whatever. Um, yeah, that was good to see, definitely, on senior day. Also, I think Deion Colsey, uh, just like becoming this third down target, it's bizarre to say this, but I think it's wholeheartedly true. He's had a better season than Lorenzo Styles. Like, when, when you measure expectations, I'm not taking statistics into this, and I actually haven't looked at the statistics, but like just from a sheer expectation standpoint, he has had a better season. I have more hope for him than I do Lorenzo Styles, which is bizarre. Yeah, that is certainly not the expectation that we had going into the season. And he's especially effective on third down. Yeah. Like, he's had a really, really strong second half of the season he only had one catch yesterday of 23 yards it was was a big big one one. it was a big one yeah and he's Notre Dame's only tall receiver that's active right now because Tobias Merriweather is dealing with a concussion so let's actually look at Notre Dame's stats on the year so Styles is still uh he's still the leading receiver of Notre Dame's wide receivers Michael Mayer has 59 catches second place is uh Lorenzo Styles with 26, and then you got Jane Thomas, excuse me, Braden Lindsay is in front of him with 19 receptions, and then Jane Thomas, the uh, wide receiver slash tight end, according to some. But then Deion Colsey is, is in there with six catches. Wow, that's actually, that's even less than I thought. But he has 117 <laughs> yards, 19 and a half yards per catch. I think that's third only behind Tobias Merriweather, who has one catch of 41 yards. Very efficient there. But you're right, Deion Colsey's had a really good second half. And something that Notre Dame needs because going into next season, the, the receiver position, it, it has been a question mark and will c- continue to be next year. Yeah, uh, and it will continue to be a question, but hopefully um, hopefully they resolve that. Yeah, and uh, Matt Salerno, that, that pick play, I guess Notre, no one is calling pick plays anymore. They called it against Notre Dame, the, tw- the 2014 Florida State game. Did you see any of the Michigan-Illinois game? I saw the end of it, yeah. Did you see that pick play on that fourth down? Yeah. And did you see Brett Bielema basically <laughs> yeah, said, we'll have to teach our guys how to guard against an illegal play? Yeah. Yep. And honestly, good on him for calling it out because that was bullshit. And I feel like whenever you Michigan, play- Michigan got multiple calls. They should have lost that game. It's They're a joke. I hope they get run by 100 points next week. Yeah. They just did not look that good. And uh, I feel like whenever you play Michigan at the big house, you just have to bake into that game. Like, you're going to have three critical calls go against you. There's actually one game that I still think about to this day was the Tate 4CA game. Yeah. Remember that one? Notre Dame had, I think, Armando Allen. It was Armando. Yes, he got an exactly unsportsmanlike because he shushed the crowd, which, by the way, everyone does that. Every every away player who has ever scored a touchdown well, does that. Well, some home players do it, too. Like <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if they threw a flag on Ian? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't. That was pretty insane. What was even more insane was calling an unsportsmanlike on Armando Allen as Notre Dame scored the go-ahead touchdown in the big house. Yeah. There was another pretty critical play. I have this this memory of Charlie Weiss just following the uh, the referees into that infamous tunnel that has mm-hmm. been the 
mm-hmm. the place of many, many problems uh, of late. And yeah. it's just part of the deal when you play at Michigan, but whatever. Notre Dame, I think someone, I think Tyler Horka, a blue and gold, wrote an article this week basically saying that Notre Dame is like one of the least penalized teams against. I believe that. Yeah, which isn't really shocking, but whatever. Uh, hopefully that's not the case um, this Saturday in Los Angeles. Okay, who? what else we got here? Special teams. Blake Rupi, big bounce back game for him. You did predict a good game for Blake Rupi. While simultaneously, we both trashed him and said he reverted back to the the expectations that we had for him at the beginning of the season, which was not very high. Yeah, well, going along with that, because it seems to have led to success, he might still stink, but uh, yeah, good game <laughs> for him. His one kick that, like, it was like a low slider. Kicks the ball weird, really weird. <laughs> Do you think he was trying too hard to play it into the wind or something? I don't, I yeah, could, I didn't I really know. know what to make of it. But it was good to see to see him. He he has the most confidence of any five seven hundred five pound dude I think I've ever seen. Probably, yeah. Like he was doing the Conor McGregor strut, and like good for him, man. We're just gonna have to keep trash talking though. I'm sorry, Blake. It's not personal, but there's clearly a correlation here. When we mm-hmm. talk shit about you, you play way better. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No blocked punts. We actually had a turnover on punt return. Uh, is Brian Mason on the hot seat? Many are saying. <laughs> Many yeah, are saying no. this. Um, yeah, I, that that punt return was, I mean, I don't know how anybody could have caught that ball, honestly. Uh, just like in driving snow. So I, I don't put a ton of stock into that. <laughs> yeah, I think Matt Salerno was doing a little too much there because there is yeah. no reason for him to try to catch that ball in the blistering no. wind in the snow. But he also, he was trying to make a play, and I get it probably his last home game i think he actually might have another year of eligibility because of covid year but it's so hard to keep track of that now so he actually had a chance to score trips himself up doesn't get it but that's actually a good segue to usc as we look ahead a little bit because matt salerno is not the starting punt returner that would be brandon joseph and brandon joseph did not play in this one and as we look ahead to usc and their vaunted passing attack caleb williams is playing like the heisman trophy winner Notre Dame is going to need Brandon Joseph. At the time of this recording, we don't have any update. But what what is your sense of, of that situation? Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I don't really know. Like, I think it's an ankle sprain, right? So I would expect him to play. I would, I would like, because realistically, this could be his last game in Notre Dame too. Um, so I, unless I he's why. already think, unless he's already, <laughs> I know, I know, but that it does seem to be how it's trending. Um, so I guess with that in mind, though, he could easily just not play and just already start focusing on the NFL. But I would think he would want to play. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, again, he hasn't really had the season that he had hoped for. And if he's trying to get drafted, this is a great, right. great opportunity yeah. for him to have a big game against a really, really good passing attack of USC. So did you uh, did you catch that USC-UCLA game last night? Yeah, I watched the whole game. Give uh, me your thoughts. Uh, are we calling it a game? Because there was not one lick of defense in that entire game. Uh, seven on seven. Atro- it was atrocious. Um, now, Caleb Williams looked very good. Jordan Addison obviously made some nice plays, but I'm not afraid of USC at all. We should be able to hang 60 on them. I'm, I'm serious. Like, that is one of the most piss-poor defenses I've ever seen. Um, just run it right up the gut all night. I, I don't think USC has seen a defense like Notre Dame's all year either. Um, I mean, what defense in the Pac-12? Like, I guess Utah, and they – but I don't even think Utah's defense is that good. So, <clears throat> I think realistically, I, I don't know if they've seen a defense. Not that Notre Dame's defense has been this elite defense all year, but I, I have to believe it's the most talented defense they've seen all year. I'm looking up Utah's scoring defense right now, and they're actually pretty good. They're tied for 24th. They're actually tied with Clemson 
uh, and we saw what Notre Dame was able to do against them. Notre Dame is right behind them, actually, at 27th. So statistically, uh, in points per game, it's about the same. Now, it is different because Utah wasn't able to move the ball, or they threw the ball a lot. They don't have as good of a rushing attack as Notre Dame. So, yes, Caleb Williams is playing like the Heisman Trophy winner. And historically, that has not bode well for Notre Dame because you can make the case that USC's last three Heisman Trophy winners, Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, and Carson Palmer, all but solidified their Heisman Trophies with huge performances against Notre Dame. Now, in this instance, Caleb would then have to, he's going to have to play in the Pac-12 championship, so he's still going to have one more chance. But still, uh, he's unbelievable. And he's literally their whole, I don't want to say their whole team, but like he pretty much is. I mean, they're really talented at receiver, but it all goes through him. He's going to be really fun to beat. That's all I got. <laughs> um, another thing that is a little bit concerning, in addition to Brandon Joseph being hurt, is Cam Hart is hurt. And I don't know what his status is going to be. He was in and out uh, during the second half of that Boston College game. And Jason Adamiola is hurt too. So are you, do you have any concerns at all about Notre Dame's defense and their health going into this one? Yeah, I mean, I feel like these guys are all going to play. Like, it's it's too big of a game not to play. Um I'm just not that worried about it, but I could be dead wrong. But I feel like these guys are all going to play. At the time of this recording, USC is favored by five with the over-under at 62.5. Was that surprising at all to you? That feels wrong. Because um, what was the spread last night in the UCLA game? USC minus 2.5. Oh, yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me then. Um, I, I don't get that one. I, I think you can make the case it's going to be 70% Notre Dame fans at the Coliseum. So, Yeah. USC hasn't had a sellout all year, and it's Thanksgiving weekend, so all the students, they don't really care about the football team anyway. People in California don't care about sports. They right. proved it when they voted overwhelmingly <laughs> no on Prop 27. Yeah. yeah, That's all I need to know about the state of California and how much the population cares about sports. Uh, Prop 27 was the online gambling thing, by the way. Yes. If, you are, if you aren't up to speed on that, I've, I've ranted a bit about it before. But... Um, it's it's funny because like every receiver on their team looks the exact same. They're like really skinny, really fast, really twitchy, and it's going to be a great opportunity for Notre Dame. It's kind of insane to think about though where Notre Dame was after week two and and seeing Drew Pine come into the game. Drew Pine has a real good shot to be two to beat two top five teams this season. That's just crazy. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. There. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> it would be maybe the greatest thing. Uh, Tommy Reese has ever done. If he somehow carries this Notre Dame offense uh, and, and they put up a bunch of points with Drew Pine at quarterback, I actually think Drew Pine is going to play pretty well in this one. I do too. I mean, he had a really good game against North Carolina, who had a terrible defense. And right. Notre Dame's two, they've actually played two teams that are somewhat comparable. Now, Ohio State in the season opener, that's a little bit different story, especially when Jackson Smith and Jigba gets knocked out like in the first quarter. But... Notre Dame held them to 21 points, and they held North Carolina to 32, and it honestly, it should have been a lot less. They, they scored some window dressing there at the end. But how much of those two games do you think impacts your uh, view on this game? I think Ohio State actually has more bearing for me because North Carolina, I, I mean, how the hell did those guys lose to Georgia Tech, a third and fourth string quarterback last night? That's atrocious. Josh Downs dropped a, a game-winning touchdown literally right in his hands. That'll do it. <laughs> um, yeah, but I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I'm just not afraid of USC. I do think Caleb Williams is very good, but I just think their name is a better team than this team. And, and I felt that way since I bet on this game in July. So, um, 
when the, what when was the, the initial spread? spread came out as USC minus six. Okay, wow. So it only went down one point basically, but yeah, since then. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. You and I will be at this one. Uh, really excited about that. So you get in Friday? Friday morning, yeah. You, you see the weather? It looks awesome. It's it looks awesome. a lot better it's than this year. 77 degrees. <laughs> yeah. Marcus Freeman said Notre Dame is going to be practicing outside this week. Why? Yeah, that sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> like I get. <laughs> Although, you know what? It actually isn't supposed to be that bad here this week. It's supposed to be like 40, high 40s, low 50s. So Okay. All right. Well, that's good. Well, really looking forward to that. Um, we will be back later this week. We're going to do a deep dive on that game, obviously. Going to do a big USC preview. Probably going to come out a little bit earlier this week because of Thanksgiving. So keep an eye out for that by following us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Sunset Irish. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Please subscribe, and we hope that you'll join us again in a couple of days because we are really, really excited for this one. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.